Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Be angry and do not sin. That's a mouthful and that's a challenge. To be angry and yet not to sin in our anger. That is a really tough command to follow. Let's give some time and energy this evening as we think about what the Bible tells us about how to handle our anger. God created us as emotional beings. He gave us emotions that we feel at various times and response to various circumstances around us. And anger is one of those. Anger is not inherently wrong. It's not inherently bad, but it's something that we need to handle to the glory of God. Let's talk first of all tonight about the danger. What does the Bible say about the danger of anger? When you think about scripture, there are a number of people who exploded, who blew up. And one of the things that you notice in the Bible about anger is that it is explosive. Psalm 37, eight gives this counsel. It says, abstain or refrain from anger, cease to do evil. It tells us to, to be careful about our anger because it is explosive. When we become angry, when we're acting in anger, we destroy things. You think about what somebody who's angry does. They, they, they destroy, they smash, they break, they, they shatter. That's what we do when we're angry. And we need to stop and ask the question, what is it that I'm destroying and why? Because anger is explosive. It's, it's like a volcano sometimes. And the way that we react in anger oftentimes destroys things that are very precious, as we just sang about friendships and marriages and relationships have been destroyed, many of them because of angry words spoken without any kind of thought. Anger is explosive and it destroys things. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Let's look at some passages together. One of the things that the Bible destroys is our bodies. One of the things that anger destroys is our bodies. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 talks about, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 30 in just a moment, so you can be turning there. But in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15, the Bible warns us about the root of bitterness, about holding on to anger for a long period of time. Because they've done studies, and you know this as well as I do, that Anger has physiological effects when we hang on to it and don't deal with it. It can cause us to become depressed. It can cause us to have heart disease, heart problems. We are at higher risk of stroke. We're at higher risk of hypertension, things like that, when we're constantly holding on to anger and not dealing with it, not processing it. And the Bible tells us about these things. But not only does it destroy our bodies physically when we hold on to anger and don't handle it in a God-honoring way, But anger destroys community. Proverbs chapter 30, and notice verse 33. It destroys community, that is, any kind of group or fellowship that I'm a part of, that you're a part of, that can be destroyed by anger. Proverbs 30, 33, as the churning of the milk produces butter, the wringing of the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. When wrath is part of our relationships, Have you ever been in a room where maybe somebody in the room got really angry and just there was an outburst? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Everybody else in the room gets really quiet and really tense and it's it's like you're walking on eggshells. I don't want to say anything to set this guy off. Anger does that to our relationships and it can destroy community. It can destroy fellowship. It's unpleasant. And not only that, but it's contagious. When one person gets angry, especially if they lash out at me or you, 
We're going to lash out or be tempted to at least lash out in response. And so it can destroy communities. It can destroy churches because of the way we handle our anger or don't. The Bible warns us of its danger. Flip back in your Bible just one chapter to Proverbs 29 verse 11 and notice what the writer says. Proverbs 29 verse 11. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understood, excuse me, I'm looking at Proverbs 28 11. Proverbs 29 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool gives vent to all of his feelings. It destroys wisdom. Wisdom in Proverbs is the ability to see and to choose what's best. It's the ability to look at a lot of different options and to choose the best option. And when we are acting and being led by and guided by anger, we're going to make fools of ourselves. Have you ever lashed out in anger and then you come back afterwards and you've calmed down a little bit and you say, I really acted like a fool? You were a fool, biblically, in those, in those moments. When you allow yourself to lash out and to, and to be uncontrolled in your anger, we are acting foolishly. We're not making wise choices. Anger destroys our ability to make wise decisions, to make good decisions. And so it's a danger, the Bible teaches. It's something that we need to be careful about. That, again, is why we have passages like Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and yet do not sin. It destroys wisdom. Ultimately, anger consumes people. It is addictive. There's something about anger that is enjoyable. I don't know why it's that way because nobody likes to be attacked. Nobody likes their loved ones to be attacked. But there's something that is enjoyable or fun even, I might say, about anger. And one of the reasons why people are angry is because it's, it's intoxicating. When you think about something that's happened to us and, and I'm going to get back at the person that, that wronged me or that wronged my loved one. But when you think about what the Bible says, the Bible warns us we can become enslaved to this. John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus talked about being slaves of sin. Proverbs 19, verse 19, since you're in Proverbs, go ahead and turn to that passage. Proverbs 19, verse 19, listen to what it says. The scripture says, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment, and if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. There's something addictive about anger. There are people who become angry people. In fact, when you read Proverbs, one of the characters in Proverbs is the contentious woman, the woman who's always angry. And there are people in Proverbs, there are people in our lives who are always angry. It becomes an addiction. This is just the way I respond, the way I react to everybody in my life. And the Bible is warning us, brothers and sisters, God's word is warning us, this is dangerous. Be careful with this. Be angry and do not sin. And as we think about anger and what the Bible has to say about it, it's important for us to acknowledge. This is something that we don't just play around with and, and freely express all the time because there are some dangers inherent in anger. But let's turn this around for just a moment and think about this because the Bible also says some good things about anger. And that's kind of interesting. I'll show you. The Bible says some good things about anger too. It is dangerous and when we handle it improperly, when we handle it in a way that is selfish or self-centered, certainly it's destructive of things that are precious and good, but there are also some good things about anger. Proverbs 16.32, I put that one on the screen for you. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Notice that the Bible does not say whoever never gets angry is better than the mighty. That's not what it says. 
It says, he who is slow to anger. And I'd like to show you, biblically, there is an ideal when it comes to handling our anger. Because again, this is how God wired us. This is how he made us. We are, we are emotional creatures. We are social creatures. And there is a sin-sick world in which we live. And because those things are true, anger is one of the responses that we're going to have to things that are wrong. And so the biblical ideal about how to handle anger is not no anger. Don't ever get angry. Don't, you know, suppress that, put it away. Don't, don't ever get angry. That is not biblical and that is not what the Bible says about anger. I'm going to show you more about that in just a moment. But the ideal is also not exploding in anger, blowing up in anger. Biblically, both of those are extremes. Never getting angry, that's actually sin. I'll show you in just a second. But getting angry and blowing up and exploding on somebody, that's a sin as well. No, the biblical ideal is what you read in Proverbs 16, 32. The biblical ideal, brothers and sisters and friends, is to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. It means that we are in control of our faculties, we are in control of our response, and we think about what we're about to do when we act in anger. Being slow to anger. Observe the following passages. In Exodus 34, verse 6, God himself, as he's describing himself to Moses, says this, I am the Lord, the Lord God, one who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God doesn't say, I never get angry. God says, I get angry, but I'm slow to anger. I want you to know this is how I am. This is my character. He knows how to handle his anger, by the way. God, Jesus Christ, has never sinned in his anger, never. He's always handled it in a righteous way, but he does get angry. The Bible teaches that. Not only that, but when you look at passages in the, New Test- in the Old Testament and the New, you also have other statements like this. Jonah get, gets angry about the, um, the Ninevites repenting and God saying, well, I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to punish them at this time in Jonah chapter 3. And Jonah gets angry and God goes to him and says, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. And Jonah describes what he's read in his Bible, what we just read in Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. God, I know what you're like. I knew that you were a gracious God and a merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I knew that's what you were like. And I didn't want you to act that way. The Bible affirms that God gets angry, but he's slow to anger. The Bible tells us we're to be slow to anger as well. Ephesians 4, 26, our scripture reading for tonight, be angry and do not sin. That verse does not say, don't ever get angry. That verse does not say, when you feel anger coming on, you gotta suppress it, you gotta put it away, you gotta act like everything's fine. And some people are really good at doing that. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, be angry, but it says, do not sin in your anger. How do you do that? By being slow to anger, by being wise in how we handle it, by thinking about God's will and all this. I'll give you some things to think about in just a few moments along these lines. Do not let the sun go down on your anger either, the Bible tells us. Counselors have identified different levels of anger. There are actually two of them. There are level one types of anger where you know, you stub your toe. Have you ever done this? You stub your toe on a couch and you, you want to punch the couch. 
I've done that anyway. I get angry, you know. I, I, I shouldn't have been walking around barefoot near this and, and I bump my toe into the couch and ooh, it just, you know. So that's level one, just an immediate response. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. What happened to me tonight on my way up to the building? It was my turn down there at the intersection, but somebody decided that he was in a bigger hurry than I was and he just zoomed across the intersection, you know. It was my turn. And you kind of feel the adrenaline. So that's level one, anger, okay. Level two, anger is the stuff that's under the surface that you're really upset about, the long-term stuff. The things that have happened to you or are continually happening to you or that you're afraid will happen to you, the things that you are really upset about under the surface. And it's not anything you're exploding about right now necessarily, but it's there. And when the Bible says, be angry and do not sin, it deals with both types of anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, it's saying, you got to handle the way, that you're, the way that you're thinking about the things you're angry about. You've got to handle those in a God-honoring way. The biblical ideal, anger is a good thing, can be a good thing, but be slow to anger. Again, Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. The Bible tells us to be slow to anger. Why? Because God is slow to anger. Are we better than he? Can we handle our anger better than he can? He's slow to anger. You be slow to anger as well. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Notice the goal as you read the Proverbs, and this is a great book to read along these lines because as you read Proverbs, it tells you that strife and contention and conflict arises when everybody gets angry. But he who is slow to anger can quiet contention. He who is in control of his spirit, he who is in control of his reactions, he's slow to anger. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, know this, my beloved brethren, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and here it is in the New Testament, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There are times, brothers and sisters and friends, when we need to be angry. There are things that we have a right and a, a duty even to be angry about, but we are to be slow to anger. We are to be slow in how we respond in anger. Again, as you think about the goodness of anger, one way to think about it is this. We get angry because we feel like something we love or someone we love or ourselves is being threatened or being hurt or being destroyed. That's really where anger comes from. It's the emotion you feel when something or someone you love is being threatened. Sometimes the thing that's being threatened is our own convenience. I really wanted, I had plans to do this today and I've been interrupted and I'm angry about that because I love my plans. I love what I had planned to do and my interruption makes me angry, but it's something I love. And sometimes it's tangible. Your husband, your wife, your child. But anger is what you feel when something you love is threatened. And think about this. It's attached to love. It's, it's, it's conjoined with love. God is love, 1 John 4, verse 8. And God is slow to anger as well, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. Anger and love are attached to one another. If you and I never get angry about anything, we don't love anything. 
When something I love is threatened, the response is anger. Even if it's selfish and even if it's ego, it's still anger. If I never get angry about anything, I don't love anything. You know, there were three occasions in the Bible where the Bible says that Jesus became angry. You know what they are? You just might jot this down in your, in your notes and read uh, later this week. Mark chapter three, John chapter two, and again, Luke chapter nine. Mark chapter three, John chapter two, Luke chapter nine. In Mark three, he heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And the Bible says the Pharisees were standing there saying, he can't do that on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was grieved and looked around in anger at those who were accusing him of doing the wrong thing. In John chapter two, that was Jesus cleansing the temple. He was angry because he loved God and he loved what, what God's house stood for and he couldn't stand to see it being treated the way it was. And then in Luke chapter nine, when the apostles said, hey Lord, do you want us to call down fire upon our enemies? Jesus was angry with them because he loved the people's souls that they were trying to preach to and he was angry because his apostles still didn't get it. God loves us. And God is angry about sin in our lives. And the reason he's angry about sin in our lives is because he loves us so much. He wants a relationship with us. And anger is his response to the sin that is threatening us, that is harming us, that is destroying us and destroying our relationship with him. If you never get angry, you don't love anything. But we're still to be slow to anger. Whatever it is that makes you the most angry is what you love the most. You know, if you wanted to do kind of some self-examination, this would be a good way to do it. Sit down and just take an inventory of your heart and look into your heart and ask the question, what are the things that make me the angriest? What are the things that really bother me? What are the things that I really, not only level one anger when I'm exploding at some instant reaction, but level two anger, the stuff that is really below the surface? What are the things that really make me mad? Whatever we're angriest about, it's what we love the most. And part of the reason why we have trouble being slow to anger and handling our anger in God-honoring ways, listen to me, is because our love gets out of whack. We start, we start disordering the way we're loving things. We start loving our convenience and our comfort and our luxury and our stuff and our toys and even our families. We start loving those things more than we love God. And when our love gets out of order, we're gonna have a hard time dealing with anger as well. When we're loving the wrong things for the wrong reasons and the wrong ways. It's not wrong to love your family, but it's wrong to love your family more than you love God. It's about our anger. What makes you most angry is what you love the most. That's the goodness of anger. That's the good side of anger. Anger is connected to love. And the Bible says, be slow to anger, be angry, but do not sin. Next, as you think about what the scriptures have to say about this topic, notice this analysis. The analysis of anger. Let's just think about what's going on when we get angry. Two Proverbs I'll show you here. Proverbs 20, verse 22, Proverbs writer says, do not say I will repay evil, wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. He's talking about vengeance there. He's talking about somebody who gets angry, who's hurt and they're gonna take revenge. Don't say I will repay evil. And then again, Proverbs 4, 24, verse 29, do not say I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Two Proverbs about vengeance. 
Look at the passages though that are on the screen there. Both of them give this advice, do not say. Say to who? You know what the Proverbs writer's doing? He's talking about what we call self-talk. You and I are having conversations with ourselves all day long. It's just what we do, we talk to ourselves. What do you say when you talk to yourself? Well, when you get angry, sometimes you're tempted to say, I'm gonna repay evil. I'm gonna do to him as he has done to me. And the Proverbs writer is saying, don't talk that way, don't say those things. And watch this insight. What makes you angry is not what's happened to you. What makes you angry is what you tell yourself about what's happened to you. I've seen people, two, I, two people be treated the identical way and one of them get angry and the other one just say, no big deal. Why? Because what makes us angry is not so much what's happened to us, it's what we're telling ourselves about what's happened to us. That's what makes us angry. That's what makes us mad. We're telling ourselves things about what's going on and our experience and what we're feeling and what's going on with our loved ones that we love and, and, and we're telling ourselves things about that and that's what makes us angry. It's not what's happening, it's our response. It's our self-talk about what's happening to us. We're telling ourselves a story and that's what brings anger around. And so, because that's true, there is one crucial question. This is your strategy for how to become slow to anger, okay? How do I become slow to anger so that I can glorify God, so that I can be more like him, so that I can handle my anger in a way that pleases him and honors him? How is it that my anger can be used in a way and channeled in a way that God desires? This one crucial question is the question you need to think about, you need to ask yourself. When you feel the adrenaline rising, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, or when something low level under the surface is happening and it's happening again and it's, it's, it's really upsetting me, here's the question. It's a really important question. It's a crucial question. The question is this, what is this big thing that is so important to me that I'm about to destroy or defend? What's this big thing that I'm about to defend in my life? That question will change a lot of the way we deal with anger. I'm just talking from experience. That question will deal a, lot, deal a lot with almost every situation when we become angry. What's this big thing that's so important to me that I wanna defend this, that I'm, I'm willing to go to the mat for this? Why, why is this the hill I need to go fight and maybe die on? Why is this something worth getting angry over? And I'll tell you something, when you ask that question, most of the time, experience, most of the time what you're defending is your own ego, your own pride, your own reputation. Most of the time, vast majority of the time. What's this thing I'm defending? What's this thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up for and be angry about? It's about me, it's about what I want. And that's why the Bible says be slow to anger. This question will also help us to go down to the very depths of our souls and ask some really important questions about what's going on down there because this big thing that I'm defending, this big thing that I'm angry about, what is this and why am I angry about it? When you identify that, again, what are the Proverbs writers saying? He says, don't say to yourself, I'm gonna repay evil for evil. No, be slow to anger. Handle your anger in a way that pleases and honors God. 
You know, if you stop Jesus in each of those three instances and ask him, Lord, what is it that you're defending? What is it that you're upset about, that you're angry about? He's defending his right to do good on the Sabbath day in Mark chapter three. And the traditions and the, the, the rules of the Pharisees that were extra biblical, that were not found in God's word, he's upset about those things. And he's gonna go to the mat for those, the Lord is. Go to John chapter two in your minds and your Bibles and you can think about when he goes into the temple and he throws over the money chain. What is it that he's upset about? What is so important to Jesus that he's defending? Well, he tells you, it's written, you shall not make my father's house a den of thieves. You've made it a house of merchandise. Why are you treating a holy place this way? He's upset, but what's he upset about? It's not his ego, it's not his pride. It's about who God is, about what God's all about. When you and I get angry, what is it that we're defending? What is this big thing that's so important to us? I'm thankful Jesus shows us how to handle our anger and be slow to anger to the glory of God. It's about what we love. Number four tonight, the ideal. The ideal of anger. We've already said being angry, being slow to anger is what the Bible tells us is the ideal. It's not wrong to be angry, but we are to be slow to anger and we are to handle our anger in a way that glorifies God because we're loving things in their proper order. So the trick is by asking questions like the ones we've talked about tonight to learn to be angry at the right people, right persons. Some of us have a hard time with that because you got this level two thing going on and you come home from wherever it is that you've got level two and you lash out at the people you live with. Be angry with the right people. Be angry for the right reason. One of the problems that married couples have in their conflict is that they start bringing in past events when they start arguing. No, let's talk about the issue. Let's deal with the issue at hand. Let's solve that problem because when we bring all these other things into the conversation, everything gets muddled. Be angry for the right reason at the right time, to the right degree, slow to anger. Be angry for the right outcome. What do we want? Because I said at the beginning of the lesson tonight, what anger does is it destroys, it pulverizes, it disintegrates, it smashes, it breaks things. That's what anger does. I have in my mind, you know, those home renovation shows where they always come into the old dilapidated house and it's always a fun thing to do to take the sledgehammer and start taking out walls and that's always the most fun part. That's what anger does. Anger starts sledgehammering walls, but you know there's a lot of cleanup that has to happen after the wall is smashed. So what is it that you're about to smash and what outcome do you desire from expressing this? Be slow to anger. Perhaps the best way, I'm gonna use this illustration to think about the way we express anger, is to call it a surgical strike. We have weapons in our military now that are not, well, they're smart weapons. And when they're fired from a plane or they're a missile fired from miles away, they have guidance systems on them that are very precise and they can, they can hit a window, very small window, surgical strikes. And so the idea of those weapons has to do with taking out the target without harming and making collateral damage if possible. That's the idea of those. When we express anger, we ought to think of it in terms of a surgical strike. A lot of people go nuclear. A lot of people just try to blow everything up, scorched earth, we sometimes say. 
That's not the Bible way, surgical strike. What did Jesus do when he cleansed the temple? Surgical strike. What did Jesus do when he rebuked the apostles in anger? Surgical strike. What did he do when he looked around at those Pharisees and those people that were accusing him of doing the wrong thing? Surgical strike. That's what Jesus does. How do you do it? Number one, you've got to come in close. That is, you've got to see somebody face to face. You cannot do a surgical strike on social media. Posting your anger and your rage on the internet for everybody to see is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about looking people in the eye and dealing with the problem to the glory of God because we love people and because we want the kind of relationships that God desires. Come in close, calmly insist on the truth, emphasis on calmly, because again, when anger is brewing, all kinds of things start coming out if we're not careful, if we're not slow to anger. And then absorb their wrath because oftentimes that's the response without escalating the conflict. Parents, you better learn how to do the surgical strike with your kids. You better. Because one thing that we do sometimes as parents without even realizing it, sometimes we get angry about the stuff that it's about our pride. It's not about what's going on with the child. It's not about correcting the behavior in the child. It's about I'm embarrassed. I'm upset by what they just did. And, and the way I express my anger has to do with me and not them. My pride's been wounded. Surgical strike though, you need to deal with the behavior without destroying the child. You need to deal with the behavior, the fool in the child, if you want to think about it that way, deal with the fool in the child without, without destroying and harming the child themselves. How do you do that? You got to come in close. You got to calmly insist on the truth. And then whatever wrath, whatever, whatever anger comes back on you because of this, you got to absorb that without escalating the conflict. That's what it means to be slow in anger. And let me prove it to you. This is exactly what Jesus did at the cross. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, it was the ultimate anger expression, surgical strike on sin and on what's wrong in our relationship with God. Come in close, calmly insist on the truth, absorb their wrath. Watch what Jesus does. People were angry with Jesus. Why'd they nail him to the cross? Why'd they cry out, crucify him? Because they were angry with him. They envied him. They hated him. They wanted him to go away. They wanted him to be destroyed. And that's what anger does. It destroys its object. Jesus did not retaliate in kind. First Peter 2, 22 and 23 tells us, that when he was reviled, he did not revile in return, but he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And then watch what Jesus does. He tells us the truth, not only by his words, but by his actions. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, he would say in a different place. Jesus told us the truth and he absorbed our wrath. Everything that we could do to him, we did. Jesus absorbed all of that and the end result was that a relationship could be restored. Luke 23, 34, as he's being nailed to the cross, his words are, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the ultimate expression, surgical strike, anger over sin, and yet desire for a relationship because he loves us. When you express anger, ask yourself the question, what am I loving here? What is it that's so major in my life that I need to act this way, that I need to respond this way? What is driving this decision, this emotion? Ask yourself that. 
and then think about the cross and what Jesus did. He loved us so much that he went to the cross to destroy the sin and the corruption that bound us. And you can be set free because he did that for you without sinning himself. Be angry and do not sin. Thanks for your kind attention to the lesson this evening. If we can help you to obey the gospel tonight, come to Jesus Christ, believe in him, confess that he is the son of God, repent of your sin, be baptized for the remission of your sin. If you'd like to respond and obey the gospel, like to respond and ask for prayers, won't you come all together we stand and while we sing.